All right, welcome back to Current Trends in Education. My name is Dr. Diaz. Today we have Wes Locke and Mike Eddy. They're both principals. Wes Locke's a principal at Spring Creek Charter School in Paisley, Lake County, Florida. He's been at that school since 2001 as a teacher, then became an assistant principal there. And in 2015, he was appointed the principal. Mike Eddy, he's at Malcolm Bridge Middle School in Oconee County, Georgia. And prior to joining Oconee County, Mike has been at Henry County Schools as a principal, as well as a district title one coordinator and fine arts coordinator. Today, we're gonna talk about where we are after four or five weeks in this online environment and hopefully get to pick some brains and uh, figure stuff out and make our lives easier. All right. Hey, Mike. Hey, Wes. How y'all doing? Hey, good, Raymond. Hey, Raymond. How are you? All right. Hey, uh, <coughs> Wes, if you'll tell us, you know, just give us a little bit of your background. And uh, we know you're right now principal at? Spring Creek Charter School in Lake County in Florida, here in Florida. <clears throat> um, I started out as a music teacher as well as Mike did and as you did. Um <laughs> And um, thought that's what I wanted to do uh, when I grew up. But uh, um, I don't know, one year teaching uh, kindergarten, I was sitting on the floor and I started to get up off the floor and it hurt. And I thought, I can't do this for another 15 years. I got to come up with some other plan. Uh, so I started looking into administration and uh, fell in love with it and have been in the administration part since uh, 2010. And I love this part of the job. I love this part of the profession, um, preparing things and getting things ready and getting people motivated. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Oh, I'm with you. Hey, Mike, tell us about your background experience, where you're at. Sure. Well, uh, Ray, this is my first year as a middle school principal. Um, before this, the last um, 14 years, I served as an elementary principal, four years at a, another great school in Tony County, High Shoals Elementary, and then I was uh, 10 years at Smith Barnes Elementary in Henry County, and then I was the fine arts slash title one coordinator before that. So, um, And then as Wes had mentioned, um, background was, was a high school band director, and so I, I probably never got uh, done with the, the music part of it. I still love it, miss it every single day, and um, somehow moved from that into a kind of a foreign arts coordinator position. So um, I've been doing that since 2000. So I've done, this is my 20th year of being an administrator. Oh, we got a lot of experience here. So between the two of you, hopefully we can get some questions answered and uh, talk about. <laughs> maybe, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be able to answer some questions for us. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, the burning thing right now is uh, for everyone is communication. You know what? We've got to reach out to kids. We're trying to track kids down, find kids that we haven't heard from online, um, get kids to start working. We'll start with Wes. Wes, what have you noticed with your teachers? Is there anything overwhelming working, uh, getting students into the system, or just as far as communicating? Um, well, I'll tell you. I want to start by saying that I, I have been absolutely amazed at the 
the way the teachers handled this situation uh, when when we closed schools down because they basically rebuilt how they delivered education in about five days and figured out a way how to how to handle that with uh, in our situation we were a very rural school um, and many of our kids don't have good quality internet connections or uh, wi-fi in their homes or even cell signals at their house um, so we had to do kind of a blended situation where we sent a ho- we sent home a lot of packets probably 600 packets of of school work that teachers got together and but then we also used um, Google Classroom and uh, a lot of other internet-capable um, platforms. But to see the teachers come together, figure this out, put it all together in five days, and get it out to kids was amazing. And I got to give kudos to every teacher out there who has done just incredible work to get this done, to get to get it accomplished. Um, it's, it's amazing to watch. Um, and the, and the communication part that you were talking about is that's the one thing I've been really, um, preaching to my, my staff is that keep whatever we do, we got to keep the communication going between you and the kids, you and the parents, um, at least a couple times a week, you got to be talking to parents and, and keeping them motivated and keeping the kids motivated. Uh, so that communication is very key. Right. So uh, with your school, not everyone was one-on-one or you don't have one-on-one with tech. You, Some students are getting – now those packets, are they being dropped off by bus or – So so we have uh, – we, we mailed some of them home. We probably mailed 200 of them. Um, and then we have – we're also – our school is also delivering food during this school closure. And we have buses going out to four or five spots uh, in the county. And so the bus drivers took the packets with them and the kids picked them up from there and they picked up their meals. Um, we have, we have plenty of technology when they're at school, but, um, as rural as we are, when they get home, there's, uh, not always the the best service there. Most of our communities that we serve don't even have, um, high speed internet run to their community. It's, it's like satellite internet or, uh, um, old phone line. Even we have, some that are at five twelve speeds and and uh, so when you try to put a try to put an educational program on that it just it takes forever. <clears throat> Mike, your situation with uh, technology as well as uh, getting information out to students. Yeah, uh, I'd say you know echo a little bit about what Wes had mentioned. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, we were we were in a, a little bit better shape, I think, than what Wes was talking about and the fact that our system had some really forward thinking a few years ago, and we actually moved to one-to-one technology a couple of years ago, uh, with the exception uh, of uh, kindergarten and first grade, and that's basically two-to-one. And so we had Chromebooks and devices, but you know, as Wes had mentioned, our teachers, and, and I tell them all the time that their, their job is far more important than mine, uh, and, and, and also more difficult, because they're the ones making the biggest difference. And so if you think much like what Wes had said, our students met with us on a Friday. That following Monday was the beginning of that fourth quarter. And we had kids that are in connections classes that were about to start a class with a teacher they never met. And so we had them just briefly go through there and meet them. But starting that Monday, digital learning happened immediately. 
And so, as Wes had said, you know, basically within a, and I, and I really think it's more of a 24-hour turnaround time, they went from the using the technology as a tool to expanding that tool to be in the main push for some of that information that we have to get out to them. Um, our teachers, in terms of communication, have really done a great job. You know, the communication I've had as a, as a principal, sometimes you, 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 you kind of gauge how that is because there's no way to really know with, without having a conversation with each student, each parent, and each teacher, you don't really, you don't always know what, where the, the, the holes happen to be or how everything's going. And so the parents have been so super supportive about all this and, and the students as well. And the feedback I've gotten has been just overwhelmingly positive because they, the, the teachers have been reaching out to those kids and having Google Hangout meetings and meeting with them small groups. And then they, they and likewise, the kids have been meeting. And so, they have really done an incredible job of communicating. That's that's probably, as Wes had kind of indicated, that has been the thing that has been the most difficult for us in terms of how much do you push out to parents, how much do you push out to kids? Because if you've got a if you've got a student that has six teachers, do you want all six teachers throwing something at them all day long? And 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 the same goes with parents. And so we have to kind of hit a, a happy medium, but. They have really, um, I, I've been totally impressed and, and just so super proud of the of that, that group of teachers that I've got because they've met every expectation and have just really set set a high expectation for not what not only what is expected of students to work in a digital format, and, but particularly how they've been pushing that out and communicating with them. All right. Um, if you are on with us, if you hit the call button, you can get on right with us and you can ask a question to Mike West. You can pose a question for any of us and we will hopefully be able to come up with an answer. If not, we'll, we'll figure that out, <laughs> but uh, press, uh, press the call button or you can type the question into the chat. Well, un until we get someone else on here, I'm going to ask you something else. So, that communication, how about those folks that we're still having a hard time getting in touch with? What are, are you, I mean, you don't, you never give up. So you're continuously trying. Are there other routes you're going? Wes, have you been able to track folks down uh, just to get, you know, get word to them on curriculum and the needs? Uh, for the most part, we've, I think we're, we're probably at 98% um that we've that we've talked to everybody i don't you know that's not a hot, solid number but it's probably close to that um there are unfortunately um i've experienced a couple parents that have just said we're not doing this they'll go to school when they get back um and you know i've tried to convince them otherwise but um we don't have a lot of pull when it comes to that situation if the parent chooses to handle things that way uh, but for the most part, our parents have been amazing and very, very supportive, very um, helpful and are reaching out to us when they when they have problems. That was one thing I did was uh, contacted through our through our one call system. I, I told the parents that I would be available at the school uh, each day from eight to three thirty. And if they need something, call me and. So I'm trying to be the conduit between the parents and the teachers, and that seems to work really well. Um, I think I've got a very good relationship with most of my family, so they will reach out to me if, if the child's struggling or something. And um, I even had a mom call me um, two days ago 
about her kids being bullied on the internet and she wanted my help. And, you know, at first I was like, man, we're not even in school. I'm dealing with bullying. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I contacted my guidance counselor who then put a meeting together, a zoom meeting together with the kid and then a couple other kids. And I think the problems resolved. So, um, it's amazing what they, what they lean on us for. And it, it really brings to light in this situation where we're closed, how much those families depend on us for those kind of things. Not, not just the academics, but the, the social emotional stuff and, and uh, the, you know, the caring for their kids. So, and that, that's something that's real that we struggle with is we can't see them. We can't, we can't, we don't know that they're all doing okay. And I know that's bugging my teachers, but, um, but, you know, I think, again, it all goes back to that, that I think it's our job to do everything we can to keep any kind of communication open, whether it's email or phone or whatever, um, dropping meals off. And I'm, I'm standing out, handing out, handing out meals on the sidewalk, um, when people drive up so I can see the kids and talk to the parents. So, gotcha. um, and, and Mike, you touched on the, the the overloading students with with assignments from the various classrooms. Do y'all what system are you using? Are you just tracking this inside of just a database, or are the teachers meeting grade level meetings? Yeah, that, that that's a good question, Ray, and, and that's one that we you know we continue to, to try to refine on. Um, our, you know, our students, um, as I said, we, we, we have typically, we have mostly used is learning as, as, a, as a platform for all, all of our instructional materials. We also use Google Classroom, but the It's Learning platform is where students log in to pull that information out. And our teachers have been, have been really trying to stay on top of all the students they have in their classes. And they correspond with us as administrative team and counselors. And so we've kind of been tracking who's getting because we use Bloxy, we use lots of different um, avenues to try to see which kids are working, where do we need to pull into it, what do we need to do. We do have some students that do have, as, as Wes mentioned before, we, we have some areas that have internet that's just incredibly slow, and some families who just can't afford it. And so we do have um, packets that we've been doing every couple of weeks, and so we try to think out a few weeks, and they come by the school and get it and go. Um, but we've we've tried to, when when we've had situations where we've noticed that a student hasn't been logging in or they haven't been turning some work in. So our counselors have been really involved with that. As long as my, my uh, two sister principals and myself, we've been trying to follow up with those kids. I know as a principal myself, I mean, I've had several um, Google hangout meetings with kids. So they just wanted to call and check on me if anything else, when I'm supposed to be calling <laughs> to check on them. So, you know, that's, that's been great. Um, we have some, in our community, um, we have uh, some families that, that really don't have means, obviously, and so we've we've actually gone out to the house to bring them materials and and try to encourage those kids. Um, so much so much of it is is constantly trying to track where that student is doing and what they're doing, and you know either send them an email or better yet pick up and use Google Phone or something to try to call them to reach out to them. You know, you every you can try everything electronically. But it is so difficult because you've lacked right now in this kind of situation the humanistic element of actually going to see them. And, and I think that that's been more difficult for us because that's not what we got into this job for. We're, not, we're typically not the hide behind a screen kind of people. 
And so we, we want to see the humanistic side of those kids and, and to, to hug them and, and to check on them and to have those personal conversations. So it's been a lot more difficult for us. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, it has been very challenging, and I found that everyone is trying to find their way and how to reach these, how to reach kids. I, I tell you, I often think about the Zoom meetings and how important it is to just look at each student, make sure they look like they're getting all their needs met at home as well, just to make sure everyone's up and up. And, uh, you know, it's just important and fulfilling for the teachers to to see that smile on their faces because it sort of fills the bank back up on the teachers. Don't you agree on that? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and even for us, I mean, we've even, um, it's interesting, the governor had mentioned that he was concerned that the number of defects referrals had drastically reduced. Well, you know, obviously, as, as the statement goes on, so many of those referrals are concerns that we have for students' wellness and, and well-being. And so we, I mean, even as a system, our counselors are still in, in, in that process where we're, we're constantly trying to touch base with those students that are always kind of been on a radar screen or, or ones that we know that, that we really have to take a little bit more care of than others. And so the counselors, and I'm sure Wes has been doing the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, I, I think that's, um, like Mike said, you know, that we didn't get into this be, to sit behind a computer and the, the personal element behind uh, schooling is such a big deal. Um, the relationships with the teachers build with kids and uh, the trust that's built there. And, and so, you know, and a lot of our teachers are like, I haven't, I haven't heard from so-and-so in the last three days and I'm getting a little worried. Um, and so our guidance counselors are, are calling those kids and checking up on them and checking right. with the families and making sure things are going okay. And uh, I, I'll, I even had one of my guidance counselors and my, my assistant principal today, she texted me this morning and said, Hey, I'm, I'm not coming to work this morning. I, I've got something else to do. And then I come to find out that they found out that two of our kids were at grandma's house sleeping on the floor in a, in a town that's about 60 miles from here. Um, but they were still doing their schoolwork. So they took them two air mattresses and they drove the 60 miles and delivered two air mattresses for the kids. Wow, that's great. That's great way. I didn't even know what was going on. And uh, so, you know, I think those are the things that our teachers love to do and our, our staff loves to do for our kids. Yeah, that's the important communication because as the teacher being one of those first reporters, I mean, and, and Mike, you said that the, the numbers are down, but the teachers are, are those reporting and helping to make sure students are all safe and everyone's safe. So uh, I imagine there's going to be as, as, we move on from this. We'll probably have some training on how to identify a hope uh, as we're yeah. watching through Zoom because it's a whole different animal, right? Yeah, and 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 as Wes had said, you know, so much Ray that you're you're we we were so in tune with some of the one of our some of our students that that are kind of not I'm not gonna say been on a radar screen, but ones that we know that we we really have to spend a little bit more time with and, and knowing their background. And so, as Wes said. When it's been a couple of days and you've noticed you haven't gotten much from that student, they haven't been responsive to email, you try to reach out to them without much response back, 
we, we do get very concerned about that, and our counselors then immediately, along with our teachers, really start into trying to track those kids down because, again, their, their well-being is our first concern. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about a few other things now. So we, we've talked about communication, uh, checking in on those kids. How about um, motivation? We're pretty much at the halfway point. We're going to be ending in about four or five weeks, right around there, four weeks. Uh, have y'all noticed, are, are you starting to see a downward trend on work? Are you start? Are you starting to have to build in some motivation? Mike, uh, Where? what have you seen at the school? What are teachers reporting? Yeah, that's not, you know, and, 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 and I don't know how Wes is dealing with that with, on his end, but for us, um, we, we've noticed kids have been really engaged um, up until this point, and I think that so many of them are still doing it, but we're kind of at that point now that the newness of it really has worn out, and some of the students that typically have to have a schedule really aren't keeping a general schedule, and teachers are having to work and work even more trying to get kids motivated to get specific projects done, let's get this done. We, um, we, we want them to be super successful. And here in Georgia, the, the fact that the, the governor, um, that they have through the governor's office and uh, the state board of education, they've eliminated state testing and, and eliminated all these other hindrances uh, that some kids found is, is a real stumbling block to being successful. When you talk about end of course tests or final exams, that kind of thing. And so those have all been waived along with as a system, we've chosen not to do any summative assessments. And so a lot of that product, what we're doing is more project-based learning, which is a genuine, it's a genuine real way to learn more so than, than, than a traditional assessment. And I'm, I'm totally in favor of that. But for our students, it's, it's become more of a, now the motivation of it. And so many of them miss their, miss their friends. Um, it's just, it, it gets a little bit more and more difficult. And, it, and it's funny you bring that up, Wes, because, uh, or, uh, right, w when we were talking about it, that um, when I was, when I would hire teachers, you know, one of the things I always ask about in that process, um, and, and I really got this, my former assistant principal at High Shoals, Katie Hunter, we, we talked a lot about with motivating students, and, and we would ask questions with, how do you, and ask, ask teachers, candidates, send in videos, how do you motivate students? Because it is so, it is so difficult, um, and it does take a great deal of energy. And so we're kind of finding that now that we got to work even harder. And and probably at a point that we're even trying to motivate more parents too. They were their they were their child's and always will be their child's first teacher. But now they have been in this this process as well. And so it's trying to keep it new. I know in, in my closing comment here, our system has uh, the last couple of weeks we're going to move more to even more into the project STEM type learning. And I know Wes has a big background in that with, with STEM experiences, but we're kind of moving in that direction at the end and getting away from what we have been doing the last few weeks in order to keep kids really their interest up and, and keeping them more engaged. Oh yeah. Wes. Yeah. And let me, let me, I want to, I want to jump on something that Mike said there about the, the state um, getting rid of the testing requirements. One thing I noticed right away, as soon as that went away, um, teachers began to feel like they could um, create things, be a little more, be a little more creative with, with what they were doing. And some of the creativity that I'm seeing now happen uh, online is it blows me away. Um, 
And, and I think a lot of that is because they aren't being held right now to that. They don't have to be worrying about, are these kids going to pass this test in, in April and May? And I hope, I really truly hope that, um, that's something that could, could come out of this situation, um, and be a positive because, and, you know, and Mike talks about project-based learning. That's what gets kids excited. That's what gets kids um, interested in in a subject. And a lot of times, because of the state tests, um, teachers are are handicapped in in trying to do that kind of thing because they have to they have to teach the kids. Uh, you know, this is how the question's going to be a- asked to, asked of you on the test. So we got to practice that style of questioning, and um, and you're not really you're not really giving them knowledge at that point. You're you're teaching them how to uh, you're teaching them a process, and so I'm um, I'm a little hopeful that uh, maybe people will see that um, come out of this. Oh, yeah. As for um, as for the uh, the keeping them motivated. I think, you know, my specials teachers have all each created websites and, and the kids are going to their STEM websites and their music websites. And, um, teachers are doing virtual field trips on, on their, uh, class dojo pages and things like that to keep the kids excited about going back and seeing things. And we haven't concentrated too much on making sure we have, you know, a certain number of grades. I told the teachers a minimum of, if we get a minimum of five grades in this nine weeks, I'm happy. Um, and don't, don't stress about the grades. Um, cause you know, after all, what is a grade? Uh, a, a, an A doesn't tell you a whole lot. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, we got, we have a caller with us now and who's this joining us? Hi, my name is Jacqueline Offit. Jacqueline, you got a question? For hey, Chris? I'm, yeah, I do. Um, so we're talking about um, in a course test, in a grade test. And um, I was on a call a couple of weeks ago um, with the Department of Education. And I heard them say something about a pre-assessment going into the next school year to help us identify where students really are um, do you guys know anything about that as principals? Uh, Jacqueline, I have not heard anything about that from the state. Um, are, are you in Florida? No, I'm sorry. I am not in Florida. I'm in the state of Georgia. So we typically do the uh, Georgia milestone and of course test. And mm-hmm. I've noticed I, I'm a teacher, but I'm also a parent. And I've noticed that um, there are certain skills that, my son is probably not reaching the goals that he would typically be reaching at this point because his teacher knows what those goals are and would be pushing him. And since we're not introducing new materials, um, I think a lot of people are worried about their kids falling behind and not being where they need to be in the fall. And so in that call, they talked about having a pre-assessment that was not something that would be held against the child, but would be something that we could use as a formative way to figure out where students are and where we need to go forward. Mike, anything on that? Yeah, yeah Jacqueline, I, I, I would say that the, the state 
you know, I think right now so much of what they're trying to do is, is more of a, not really a speculation, but they're trying to give us some information because so many, so many, so many people right now are asking, okay, we've got this right now, but what's next year going to look like? And so I think, you know, I think it's probably a good idea if we have some kind of formative information we can, we can give as, as a smaller assessment at the beginning in the, since we don't have the milestones. But I always get worried about what does that formative look like? Um, because so many of our students struggle with milestones already. And, um, and, and what does that, what is it, what is it like? Is it more of a checklist? Um, is it going to be a, a true cognitive type test? I don't think they've been they've been really clear with what that expectation is going to be, but I would hope maybe they would move in, in terms of a checklist that the IEP committee and the special ed teacher could help inform and help direct where they're at, as opposed to uh, a true cognitive type test. Um, but that's just my thoughts on it. Okay. And I, you know, I've told um, uh, my staff has talked about already that we we kind of know that going into next year, there's going to be areas of, of deficit. Um, and I think I, I told my folks, I think we need to consider um, at the start of the year next year that the first three or four weeks, we're going to do a lot of pre-assessing and figuring out where the gaps um, that were created by this, because there will be some gaps. There's no way around it. You can't do the same thing online. I'd even say too, I think most systems are going to find themselves in a position where we're going to even have, if you, if you're building a curriculum off of pacing for the entire year, I do think now from a state perspective and local perspective, I think a lot of that pacing is going to look differently next year because of the fact that we we're going to try to do the best we can to recover some material that may have not, not have been absorbed like it normally would have been last fourth quarter with everything that's going on with a different format. Oconee, we were fortunate because we did have one-to-one and we were able to roll that out pretty quickly, but there's a lot of systems that were not in our same um, situation that have really struggled with, with what does that look like and how do you deliver it. So, you know, I think across the, at least Georgia and probably the nation at this point, curriculum is going to look a lot different next year getting, uh, getting into it. I'll be curious to see even from a state's perspective, if states, if the federal government doesn't allow us the waivers away from even the state testing for next year, knowing knowing that we we had to revamp how we do our own pace of curriculum. Yeah. And and I was I was uh, speaking with someone at DOE in Florida um, just last week about the possibility of because Florida is going through the process of of introducing new standards uh, not next year but the following year. So uh, my hope is and I was I was voicing this to DOE that that uh, next year, they could give us a grace period and go ahead and let us start digging into those new standards uh, and let us learn how to teach to those new standards now and not have to worry about uh, are the kids going to pass the the test on the old standards this next year because there's they, we are going to go into the year behind. So yeah. um, well, hopefully I, that's things that the state will think about. I, we have another question. It's um, how do you think this change in learning will affect the stakeholders once we get back into the classroom? And do you think parents will be more supportive? I, I'll say, I'll just kind of jump in there real quick. Uh, you know, I would say that probably as a profession, my, this is my Mike's perception on this and opinion. I think uh, educators are probably more valued now than we have been in the past. 
because so much of what we've been doing has been now it's much more of a shared environment with parents helping us assist on that. But I, I think I, I think that our value in itself, um, opinion wise from from many stakeholders across the nation has has really increased because they see a little bit more about what it is that we do every day and and they've been seeing that curriculum content more intently on their part working with their ch- their children. But I, I do think, you know, that I think back on this not too long ago, Ray, we, we had, a, I had a conversation with somebody and I said, you know, I think back in, in, in my life here, there are certain events that occur that you can say that that one event changed lives drastically. 9-11 changed our lives drastically after that and, and it impacted so many things. I think the coronavirus itself and how we operate and what we do, I think that in itself is going to be another occasion where things are going to have changed drastically from this point forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I've seen a lot of, of increased parent support. And uh, I, I think maybe the support's not the word, but empathy. Um, <laughs> the, the parents see what uh, see what we're what we do every day. And, and I also think they've seen the tremendous work that the teachers have done to get this ready and get it to them and how supportive the teachers have been and, and contacting them and how hard they've worked and doing that, doing that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I hear all the time from parents that are just like, we're so thankful that for what you guys do and, um, tell your teachers they're doing a great job. I'm so proud of them. And so we're getting, I'm getting a lot of that. And I agree with, I mean, that's the, that's been the thing. I mean, our parents, we had super supportive parents already, and now they're at a whole nother level of supportive. I mean, just when you didn't think it could happen more, they've just been, uh, they've embraced this so much and have just that outpouring of support for our own teachers and appreciation has been incredible. Oh, yeah. They, I tell you what, I see it everywhere. A lot of thanks out there for teachers and everyone's starting to realize, you know, because I, I got to tell you guys, uh, for the past few years, it, it feels like you get beat up in the press with uh, with education. And now it just is a it's a sigh of relief to hear everyone coming out and talking uh, so positive about teachers. And that's been really nice. Uh, Jacqueline mentioned something, and, and I want to talk about accessibility in courses and not, and I want you to think about this for the average student in the class. We're starting to see in in our school, we're seeing these trends where students will go in, they'll cherry pick uh, the assignments that are gonna be the easiest. Generally, anything that's multiple choice, they'll complete and other things they won't. And I start thinking about it and I go, you know, a lot of these kids are in the classroom, they're auditory learners, they may have some major reading deficits and now they're doing everything they can to compensate for that. And that that's what this may be looking like. Uh, have y'all noticed any of those trends as well? And then uh, we'll just go with that. Well, you know, I've, I've seen that your comment about doing the easy work first, that um, has been a, has been a thing that we have noticed it's also something that I kind of expected. Um, it's, I don't want to stress, stress parents out, um, at home with, with assignments. I also don't want to stress the kids out at home. Uh, the way I look at it is we got enough stress with this whole thing and it just worrying about, you know, are we going to get sick? Um, much less worrying about is, is the schoolwork too hard? 
And so I, I kind of told my, my parents, look, if, if you're struggling, uh, if your child's struggling, don't have a fight about it in the kitchen, get in touch with the teacher and let us deal with that. Um, cause I don't, I don't want to put that on the, on the families right now. So we have seen a, a little bit of, you know, the middle school kids are turning in the easy stuff first and we, they're having to hound them for the, for the algebra one, the harder stuff in algebra one. Um, but in general, I think our kids are, are, are pulling their weight for the most part. You're, I think you're always going to have a few that you're going to have to stay on top of. Um, but you know, you have those when, when we have school in session anyway. So, um, I haven't really noticed a whole, a big change there. Yeah. And I, and I have to, um, agree with what Wes had said. You know, I, we've seen kids really put out some tremendous work. You know, we've, we've kind of struggled ourselves kind of figuring out, you know, I'm, I'm very much about trying to figure out, let's get kids at the application stage of those content, of that content. And so when you start thinking of depth of knowledge and you're handling this digitally and you're not used to that format, then what does that look like? And how do you, how do you, how do you recreate that in a digital format with groups of kids digitally on online and that? And, and I know that we've, we've been continually working trying to be more consistent in figuring out how do we still deliver that intense high quality instruction with a high level of depth of knowledge that that's much more difficult because you can't it, in, in this format for us, we found that it's really difficult to, to, to do new material. And so, you know, and, and then as Westman, you don't want to stress anybody out because this is so drastically different um, than everybody else. And Wes may comment on this too, but you know, so much of, with the parents, what we, we find is like with math, they just, um, math is like, I don't understand this new math. <laughs> And so when you start thinking about conceptual thinking and math and it's not all about the algorithm, that for them is, has been difficult too. And so I think parents have been learning right along just along with kids have too. But we found, you know, again, that they've, they've really been doing some quality work. Uh, I think probably human nature, uh, people are going to try to try to get through the easy stuff first to get it through and feel like you've made, accomplished something, knowing that the, the more laborious tasks are going to take much more time and, you know, and, and human nature is we just don't, most people don't like a lot of pedantic work. And so that's kind of where we're at with, um, with that, even with our students. But yeah, I, I agree with what it says. Gotcha. Um, how about motivation? Any, anything that you're doing special at your school, you're seeing teachers do, uh, teams do anything motivating students to, uh, join in on the work? Mike? I. They have, um, I think in terms of motivation, they, they kind of take it more on an element of let's look at the individual kid or very small groups of kids. And it's reaching out to them and, and having those conversations. They've not only as teachers and colleagues, they've been meeting at grade levels and talking through specific strategies and things that they've been working on and how we deliver that support digitally. But they've been meeting with those groups of kids pretty regularly. And so we found that the, the kids themselves get more motivated because they know they've got a certain time they're going to be meeting with those teachers. And to them, that was part of that motivation. And reaching out to that individual kid, you know, the part, the key part to that, Ray, I, I think is that you've, you've got to make sure that what you have out there is you're asking for quality work, but it's also a quality assignment. And it's not something that's boring. You know, you, you have to make it so that it piques kids' interest much like we do in the classroom, but now it's probably even more so. And, and if you, we found that the more interest that you make it, the high level interest, 
the more motivation they are going to have to be involved in that. And, and it, so much of what we're doing is trying to go back to the individual kid and groups of kids and having those conversations with them and, and still trying to get them excited. Those kids miss those teachers just as much as the teachers miss the kids. Yes. And it, man, that was said, that was perfect. The way you said that, <laughs> don't you agree, Wes? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, um, at our school, we have um, we have a program we use called Responsive Classroom, and it preaches all about mm. the social emotional aspect of of schooling. And so, when our kids are at school, we have a we have a morning meeting every day in every classroom, and um, every every month we do a whole school morning meeting where we all get together and 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 have a have a whole school meeting, and then grade levels have meetings on their own occasionally. And what our teachers are doing now is they are they're holding morning meetings over Zoom or Google Meets, and um, and that seems to motivate the kids more than anything else. Just the opportunity to have that social connection because they are really missing that right now. Um, now, Wes, and I've got a, and, and, go ahead. I was going to say I've got an eighth grade daughter, and and she's going to the high school next year, and and. Her, the biggest thing she misses right now is the social interaction with her friends that she's not going to get to have um, at the end of the year. And some of her friends are going to a different school than she'll go to, and she may not see them again. So um, those kids are loving these these morning meetings online just to be able to see their their friends' faces and to say hi and you know ask ask silly questions and and <laughs> goof off a little bit. Yeah. And we've um, really the other thing that we've done as a system is we've we've scaled it down so that we're we're really focused on academic work Monday through Thursday. Fridays um, we always that's a social emotional lesson. So every every Thursday I send out uh, a SEL lesson that the system has worked with our counselors on, and that's sent to parents and students because we want that we want the SEL lesson themselves to be a part of that dialogue. So Fridays now for our students are makeup days. This is a day for you just to kind of get caught up in anything you may be behind on. Um, it, it's it's a much more lower paced day, but the expectation is it's really student directed and led. I know that with with me as a principal, I meet with my grade levels at different times um, on Fridays, um, but they're still reaching out to kids. But it's that catch up day, and particularly we want students to really and families to embrace doing whatever the SEL lesson that we send out on Thursdays for that Friday, that they, that's part of that dinner lunch discussion with, with their child. Oh, that's a great that, idea, Mike. That is, you know what, Mike, I, I gotta tell you, I've been preaching that we need to make up days here and there. I, I, I really believe in that, especially when this, when students start to feel they're catching, they're getting behind. Sometimes it's real easy for them to just say, you know what, I'm not going to sign in because I'm just so far right. behind them. And when you give them those opportunities and then the teachers that are giving a lot of flexibility and I, and I keep asking teachers, get the kid and the parent on the phone and just ask them to go on for five minutes. Walk them through, yeah. get them on for five minutes with you because you know what? We just, we just need to activate them because a lot right. of times. Once well, we've even, even, what's that? And even for the, flexibility so if we if we start calculating grades they have flexibility to add more of what they're doing with work in what we consider to be a summative category which contains the large percentage of the grades because we want kids to be successful so 
since we're not doing assessments, it, let's we're, we're doing more project-based learning on that, and let's kind of push everything. And so the teachers have the flexibility to move stuff in there, and it's not directed by the system or me as a principal, just to say it's not an, it's not a direct traditional assessment, but let's figure out different ways to be flexible so kids can benefit from that academically. All right. Well, I, I got to tell you, so some district, some school districts are are controlled as far at the district level with all the curriculum. So teachers aren't making the curriculum. Others, the teachers have full autonomy of their curriculum. And I know it makes it difficult for everyone when you're listening to this going, well, you know, I wish I had that opportunity, but you can still make this work. I, I believe, you know, especially that social emotional piece, Mike, what you're doing in your district. Uh, and is that specific to your school or the full district is doing that? The, the full district, because we, we realized that with, with, you know, and Wes talked about kids and parents being stressed out. That is a natural, that's a natural occurrence because the, the, the format, what we're doing changed so drastically. So we, um, as a system, we worked with our student services director, um, Dallas LaDuff and, and our counselors, and they decided, okay, let's as a system and the principals were involved that we would, let's make Fridays the day where we're going to use for catch up. But more importantly, let's make that as our social emotional days where we have a lesson that kids can review with their parents, part of that discussion. And those kids kind of focus on, okay, this week I'm behind. Uh, and then at that lunch dinner time, let's talk about what is the, the social emotional lesson that we have this week and just kind of have that conversation. Gotcha. Nice. And nice. Well, hey, we're going to shift this now because we, we only have so much time. I want to shift into hiring uh the zoom interviews with uh, mm -hmm. with your new uh, uh your future staff members and that's a whole different animal nowadays right so let's talk about that wes if, if you want to go through um what are you looking for uh, what's different about this zoom interview and uh you know let's go about what's different and the things you're looking at well um you know, I think for me and, and my staff, I, I always do interviews as a team. So it'll be me and my guidance counselor and assistant principal and um, ESE school specialists. We'll, we'll all do these together. Um, and what we look for more than anything else is the, the connection with the teacher and the feeling that the teacher can connect um, with people. Um, we're, we're high on relationships. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I was worried, uh, when we started doing zoom interviews, I was worried that I wouldn't get that same feel, um, as a, as a face-to-face -face interview sitting in my office, relaxed and, and, you know, those kind of things. But, uh, I'm finding out that it's, it's really, it's not too bad. It's, um, uh, I, I, I had an interview the other day where a lot of times you'll have an interview and you'll, you'll feel like, wow, this, this, I need to hire this person after like five minutes in, you just know. And I was worried that I wouldn't get that kind of a, of, of an emotional connection um, doing a zoom interview, but it, it did the other day. And I, I was interviewing a lady and about five minutes in, I was like, yep, I got to get this one. She's, she's going to be awesome. Um, and so I was pleased that that happened because I was, I was really concerned about the whole personal connection thing. Um, Cause you know, again, relationships, 
at school are just so huge. And to, and I base a lot of my decision-making on, on where I place teachers on, on how they'll fit within teams of other teachers so that they can work well together. And, um, and that all goes back to, to developing good, strong relationships. So. All right, Mike. Yeah, it's been, um, it, it has actually been better than, than I thought it was going to be. You know, my, my background, um, and, and I mentioned, um, when I, my time at, at high schools, particularly, we, we would invite candidates in to actually teach. So we don't, um, I haven't been doing the traditional model of, of having a team together and get people in to ask questions and then you go from there. We did that after the fact. And so we would bring people in, we would sort through, through a series of, of videos we would ask them to talk about motivating students and curriculum and, and bring them in and they would actually teach a lesson to students. And then we would, we would debrief with them, ask specific questions about their content and then any other questions we had asked for them. So that was the format that I've used for hiring. And, and so now this is, it, it changed that for us. But as Wes had said, you, you still find some really good candidates. So much of it depends on the quality of the question that you ask. So if you, if you don't ask the right question to, to really get involved and, and to really dig around where you need to, because as Wes mentioned, you know, it's so much of it is trying to get your collaboration. How do you collaborate with other colleagues? I mean, you can't, to me, you can't, even in an interview without them teaching, I can't tell you what that person's work ethic is. And, and I want, and I'm always looking for people that hire that, A, love kids. If you don't love kids, you don't need to be in my building. And number two, to make sure that. Can I say, say amen to that? <laughs> That it has to do with value added. And so you want somebody who can come in and, and work so well because you've got those teachers that may be fantastic, fantastic teachers in front of kids. You put them with another adult and they can't get along. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't move the needle for where you need to go to as a building. That's not working as a team. And so I was really concerned and apprehensive. We we're going through that. But through the quality of questions that we ask, then I think we got we, we got a better we got a better picture on what that person's able to do. And it, generally speaking, if you can lend it, because so many of those questions were as they got to, to speaking more, then it allowed me to do a follow up probing question to say, well, tell me a little bit more about that. You you, know, you mentioned this, and, and so that's been it. Um, I, I will tell you though, uh, we we've we've been doing several we've been several interviews, and, and my process is we'll be only as quick as it is to find the right person. So if that takes us two months, so be it. If it if we lucked out, as Wes said, sometimes you have somebody in within ten minutes, and you're like, yeah, I got to hire this person right away because they they they're totally uh, I totally get them. Uh, and so that that's kind of where we're at. And I was really afraid that we wouldn't get that depth with those video conferences, but but I, I I'm more open to it now. I still wish I could watch them teach, but um, that's just not just not an option. So you you do the best you can. Gotcha. However, Mike, I think in the future, um, with the way we're learning this technology, it could be an option to watch them teach um, if they are yeah. teaching at, at their own at another school um, and just ask them, hey, you know, videotape a lesson and send it to me. Right, right. That's, that's exactly right, Wes. Oh, man. Uh, how about the can any things that like are our major turnoffs on a zoom meeting. I, and I'm just thinking as far as this folks prep for this to make sure like, uh, like, is there 
any distractions that got you or anything that you've seen that just, you know what, that shouldn't be happening? You know, I've, I've been, uh, I have been, and not just with this, the, the meetings, the video meetings we've had, but I've had candidates in the past that have talked themselves out of a job, um, meaning that they, they did really well to start off with, but then they started talking and went down a totally different tangent road. And, and because the fact they said so much, as somebody who tries to absorb all that, um, and, and I think my, my bride would probably tell you that I'm somewhat ADD, um, I, I try to focus in. And so if, you, if you've taken eight minutes to explain my one question that really shouldn't have been that it's designed, but it's not really designed to be in 30 parts, you, you kind of lose me. Because at the end of it, I thought, well, did you actually ever answer the question? Um, and so I, I always find that um, to be one um, that just be just be prudent about how you answer those questions because you, you could end up going down a different tangent and not actually ever answering the question. <laughs> yeah. How about Wes? Anything? Um, well, one thing I've noticed on the Zoom meetings is and the video meetings is that uh, you got to be aware of the where the light source is coming from. We did one the other day and the lady was sitting in front of a window and I could not see her. Uh, I could see outside her room and I could see the silhouette of her head, but I could not see her face. And um, that was driving me crazy because I want, I want, I'm looking for that connection, you know? Um, so, you know, be aware of your, of your surroundings and your background and that kind of thing when you're, when you're doing those um, virtual uh, interviews. Yeah. I, I would just as a follow up to that, Wes, I would say we, we've had some people try to be really clever about interviewing outside um, you, you have to be aware of if you're trying to answer questions, what kind of ambient noise you have. And so we have had some where, where people were interviewing and their kids were in the kitchen. And, and so we heard more about what the kids were doing in the kitchen than we did in them answering the questions. So <laughs> you've got to be aware of your surroundings. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, so um, we're about done. I got to tell you, I, I'm at a school. I'm at Zephyr Hills High School. We once a Hey, my alma mater. That's right. You're a uh, Yep. Uh, once a week, our principal will have a lunch where everyone signs on and it's just less talk, less chat. How are you doing? It's not even uh, not even school related. Let's just talk and the uh, teachers sign in. We all get together to see each other. It's just sit down uh, and talk about whatever. How's your week going? It is a refreshing half hour to sit down and talk and see that and, and just have that experience with our principal once a week. Are y'all, do y'all have anything like that going on? Are you doing anything at this time uh, just to get together with the folks and just talk, you know, how are things going? So um, we did our, we did a um, virtual happy hour last week on Friday afternoon and, uh, they told me I had to leave school at 3.30. I couldn't stay late because happy hour was starting at 3.30. Um, so I had to make sure I left school in time. And all our uh, we had about 25 of our 45 teachers um, on the Zoom meeting. And everybody was just sitting at their house in their comfy chairs and uh, had a glass of wine or uh, some other adult beverage and just hung out for an hour chatting with each other and seeing each other's dogs and, and, um, you know, those that have little kids had their little kids sitting in their laps and, and it was a ball. We had a blast. Um, 
so many funny stories and, and, you know, they're all telling us about all the, the zoom meetings that they had this week and what funny things happened in those and, uh, with their kids. And it, it was great. And so we decided we're just going to do that every week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. Wes, I'm going to steal that idea. Cause I never one time even thought about that. I had a, even yesterday. And it's funny because I had a rotary social, uh, on zoom yesterday. Um, and, uh, I didn't think about that even with the staff, but I think that's a, that's a fantastic idea. Ray, we haven't, you know, everything we've been has really kind of been focused academically. And I, and, and, and I guess I, I didn't really think about, you know, we were so consumed with how much time we are, we are asking of our teachers because I want them to be so cognizant that they will, they will spend twice as many hours as they normally do just because the, the format is so much different um, in terms of how they're, how they're supporting instruction. Um, but I wish I'm going to steal that idea because that's a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Love it. And I got to tell you, it has been a blast having this conversation with you. Uh, if next next time we get together, I, I'm going to be signing off of this uh, podcast for for a bit of time. But next year we have to get together, revisit some things. I'm sure education is changing every day, right? So uh, it is. we're seeing it fast changes, unlike ever before. Every week we're getting different reports everything's coming out so i definitely hope we have an uh, opportunity to sit down and talk i'm going to be moving to minnesota and uh taking a new position up there so things will be changing it has been awesome talking to y'all um wes it sounds like you are one amazing principal to work with just really supportive of those teachers and uh it, it really comes across how much you love and care for kids and and mike the same and and it really comes down to how effective we can be for kids uh, i appreciate the two of you and uh hey it must have been the university we went to it must have been. that must have had something to do with it right <laughs> go hatters <laughs> uh, it's been a great discussion i'm going to i'm going to cue the music up if y'all wait a second it's going to just do this little outro and then uh and then we'll chat for a few and then head out okay Okay, awesome. Right. Thank you, Raymond. Right. Thanks, Raymond. And that is Current Trends in Education. I'm Dr. Diaz. We were talking with Wes Locke and Mike Eddy. And I got to tell you, if if it doesn't just inspire you, talk listening to the two of them talk about education, about all the moves they make so that kids can be successful, and everything they do for their teachers. So it translates straight down to the students. We heard about having uh, motivating kids, not overstressing families, making sure that we're there for them, great communication. Hope you get a lot out of this. I appreciate you listening and uh, y'all have a great week.